Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with class. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. All right, welcome everyone to the second half. Um, Peaches, I guess that's a good name. Anyway, to my right, I have Launchpad. I have Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Todd. Sweeney Todd. Oh, you want to say your own Sweeney name? Let's Todd. go. Sweeney Todd. You could shout yourself out. And <laughs> Sweeney Todd. <laughs> he gives the most dramatic intros, isn't he? All the time. <laughs> I guess I'm peaches. You're peaches. I guess. I guess. You are peaches. Anyhow, our guest today, Nate Ganty. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Oh, you said the name right. You said hey. the name right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's a lot of fun. All right, you Nate, only rehearsed it for 15 minutes. I was trying to rehearse it man, to not get it. Aaron says Ganty usually, like Ganty. Oh, I'm just like, no, it's Ganty. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. So you're a violinist. And budding radio podcast producer, based in the Bay Area, started playing the violin at 13, attended Berkeley College of Music from 2012 to 2016, and studied jazz. Versed many styles on the violin, uh, was a jazz musician, but now primarily plays pop, hip-hop, R&B, goal is to show that the violin can be used for modern day music and not boxed into classical music also a violin teacher yeah, yeah. now working on podcasting radio producing yeah oh man i'm trying jack of all trades i'm trying doing man. a lot nate and I see you uh, rocking some J's too. Yeah, yep. military blacks. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I can get with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> the vibes. Yeah. That's what it's about. All right. Um, here we go. Let's get into this. Um, welcome. So, uh, welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome. And uh, first question. Here we go. All right. Let's get it. Why the violin? Why the violin? Uh, man. I hope it's not too long-winded of an answer, but uh, long story short, I guess uh, I used to go to church a lot. Um, I was in a youth group. Uh, we were a small church. The church was called Rock Center, and uh, my friends in the, you know, this was middle school. Like, I was like 12, and um, my friends had a youth band. They all played instruments, and uh, I wanted to fit in with them. I wanted to, you know, hang out with them. But there were times where I couldn't because they were doing band practice, and I didn't play any instruments. I didn't know anything. Middle school in general was like a tough time, man. You know, I was like discovering like, myself. Like, yeah, yeah, oh, I hated middle school so much. It's such where, a weird where time. Was, where was this? Uh, Daily City. Daily City. Yeah, yeah. I went to Ben Franklin Middle School. Nice. Oh, I oh. hate it, hate it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, so my escape was church because, you know, I didn't really, I don't know, like, I didn't I didn't really have, like, a lot of friends in middle school. I had, like, a few group of friends. I mean, yeah, like, a few friends and stuff. Uh, uh, but, you know, I just felt pretty lonely. And so, you know, church was my escape. 
So the youth group, like my friends there, but even there I felt kind of outcasted because it's like they're in this band and I want to be with them, but they're like, dude, you don't play anything. Like, sorry, we're rehearsing. So I was like sad about that. I tried to play percussion too. I remember in one of the rehearsals, I tried banging on the bongos. They're just like, stop that, stop that, stop doing that. Like, you know, you're disturbing us. And I was like, oh. But anyways, uh, there was one day, uh, there was a youth event, like a this youth event. Uh, I forget the name of it, but um, every church has a band and they have like, you know, like what I'm thinking is like, okay, there's a guitarist, a bassist, piano player, drummer. Blah, blah, blah. But this band at this particular youth night had a violinist. And I wish I knew this guy's name because if I saw him now, I'd be like, dude, you're the reason why I'm playing. So I've never seen a violinist in this setting before with a band because usually I would think like classical music, um, orchestra, things like that. But um, this guy... This guy was with a band, you know, and yeah. he's playing. He sounded kind of fiddly, you know, like bluegrassy, but he was really good. And then I told my friend, like, hey, like, what if I played the violin? That's different. I didn't want to play guitar at the time. I do play guitar, but um, at the time, I already, uh, there were already two other dudes in the band that played. So I was thinking to myself, hey, like, what if I played this? And my friend was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, as if I wasn't going to do mm-hmm. it, then I ended up doing it. I told my mom, hey, uh, I want to play the violin. And my mom was shocked. Like, she was like, what? Like, you want to... Because before, I was just playing video games. You know, GameCube. Shout out to yeah. GameCube. <laughs> but nice. anyways... Um, yeah, yeah. I was playing GameCube a lot all day, every day. Then I finally tell my mom, I want to play an instrument. My mom was so happy about it. Uh, next you, thing... You, had you played a musical instrument prior to the violin? No. I didn't play anything prior. And it's crazy because the violin's one of the hardest instruments to learn. Yeah. Like, it definitely is. Um, but, you know, I didn't care. Like, I was like, I want to be different. I think that's been a part of me. I've always wanted to be somebody who's different and stands out. So I, that's part of my personality, I guess. So I was like, okay, I'll play the violin. Told my mom. And then, next, uh, lo and behold, like, there's a music school, like, a few blocks away from where I am. So I get to walk there. It was called. It's called Vibo Music Center, and I actually work there now. Nice. You know, so I learned how to play there. Full circle. Yeah, full yeah. circle moment when I started working there after college. But yeah, I started going to Vibo. Um, at the time, it was on Paris Street in uh, around Geneva, and like you know, the Excelsior District in San Francisco. Yeah, that's where nice. I live. Yeah, right yeah that's where I live near the Popeyes. You know that legendary Popeyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm up on Morse and uh, Concord and Allison, right over there. Right oh wow, there. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nearby. Yeah. Man. yeah, definitely. So I um, I just started going there, and then I met my mentor David Finch, who. Man, he's a he's a dear person to me, you know. Like he's the reason why I even started going to Berkeley College of Music. But yeah, he uh, he was like a fiddler, and he showed me that you could improvise on the violin, and that was something new to me. I was like, what? And he was the guy that made me realize like I could do this. I could play with a band. I don't have to play in an orchestra. He was just like, yeah, man, I could get you in six months. I could get you playing with your church, you know. Like when I started, I was just like, no way, dude. Well, he was my third teacher. I had, like, two other teachers prior to him. But then when I met him, that's when I really started to, like, pop off with, like, you know, you like, really figuring out what I wanted him. to do. Yeah, You really connected with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still text him and talk to him to this day. Like, we're still really tight. You know, like, we're really close. Like, he's like a dear uncle to me yeah. you know, at this point. But, um, yeah, Dave pretty much taught me how to improvise. He taught me the blues and, like, things like that, really basic 
And then he told me about jazz. He wasn't really a jazz player, but he told me about Berkeley and how they teach jazz for string players. And then from there, being 13, I was like, okay, that's my goal. Yeah, I'm going to go to this school. So that was like my big like goal, I guess, growing up in high school. Like I was prepping to be able to audition to go there. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, like the violin's different, you know, and it's unique. And again, my personality, I like to stand out. I'm kind mm-hmm. of a, I didn't want to admit it before, but being older now, I don't care anymore. So it's like, yeah, I'm a showy dude. Like I like showing off and like doing all this stuff. So yeah. it's like, yeah, like I like flexing like that. You feel me? So like, yeah. I feel like with the violin, like I could really do that, especially with the music I sure. play. So, so the violin was one way for you to kind of fit in with your, with your friends. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And I honestly, to this day, I still feel like it's a, uh, way for me to connect with people you know especially with like people i wouldn't expect to connect with you know like it's like it's like a good way to break the ice if that makes sense it's crazy because like it's still like that to this day it's not my intention but it's like it's a nice way to break the ice like i'll be like playing at a gig and then this person comes up to me somebody who i never would have thought would talk to me but they'd be like hey like you're super dope you sound great and i'm like thank you then i end up talking to them it's like the icebreaker, you know, like for socializing, I guess. So I find that to be really cool about playing the violin, even music in general. It's a good icebreaker, I guess. So it's a way for people to notice me and be like, oh, let me talk to this person because like they do something really cool like that I've never seen before. So I think that's pretty nice. So I, love I, th- I think I'm hearing actually to, to follow up on your question. Well, first off, one of the best things about doing this podcast is hearing people's origin stories. That's a dope origin story. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you were trying to fit in with your friends, but at the same time, pick the unique instrument so you could also stick out, yeah. which is really cool. It's a statement to who you are now. But I want to ask this because having played the violin, uh, we kind of touched on this earlier. Do you feel there were some challenges starting late at 13? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um so, you know, I'm a teacher, too, um, and I teach a lot of young kids. Uh, and honestly, the advantage of them is they have more time. Right. I didn't have as much time as them. Um, I started really late. So for high school, I transferred the, the like, three different high schools. I was in Westmore High School, if you guys know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Daily yeah. City. Yeah. I went to El Camino in South City the year after. <laughs> yep. Then I went to <laughs> South uh, – no, no, I didn't go to South City. But I went to School of the Arts, which was McAteer. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. near Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was my assigned school, actually. Oh, yeah. really? I didn't yeah. go there, but – Yeah, 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 <laughs> McAteer. So they tour. used – Yeah, yeah. Robin? You did a whole tour. Yeah, I did a whole tour. Actually, um, it's funny. I'm really glad I transferred a lot because I met a lot of people. You know, like, I, at first I was like, oh, I'm leaving my friends. But honestly, it was good. I mean, plus social media was starting to come up. Facebook was coming up. So it's like I could still talk to them. Right. It's not like they were completely gone. Hmm. So, you know, moving to different schools, I really met a lot of people. And, like, I really am thankful for that experience. But, yeah, I, um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. So starting late. With- starting late, yeah, yeah, yeah. So starting late, thank you, thank you. So starting late. Um, the challenge with that was, yeah, I didn't have as much time, you know, I, uh, but you know, I, I didn't let that stop me. I just kept practicing. That's the thing. A lot of these little kids, you know, I teach a lot of little kids and it's hard for them to practice the attention span, Hmm. you know, like, uh, I think the youngest I taught was four or five Mm -hmm. dude, like 15 minutes max for the lesson. Like I'll be like trying to teach them, Oh, you know, like strain your wrist. And they're like, "Uh," and then they're like looking around and then. 
there's a piano in the room and then they'll start banging and i'm like don't play the piano like come back here like let's you know so they have a short attention span um but for me being 13 i feel like uh i had you know i could think for myself you know like i get mm-hmm. like you know yeah. i could pay attention so i really honed in and i was practicing like two hours a day as a 13 year old sometimes three hours a day um so yeah it was hard because i started late because i didn't have as much time as the kids who started really early but you know i didn't let that stop me man because you know at the end of the day i wanted to do this i really wanted it Mm -hmm. and that's something i tell my students if you really want to do it you'll just do it that's it and you feel you picked it up quicker at that age yeah yeah honestly i feel like because again i could think for myself i could like you know i had the discipline you know i was determined and like that's rare though that's rare for some people mm-hmm. you know like i teach 13 year olds too and they're like whatever about it you know um and then this just proves my theory like dude if you want to do it you're just gonna do it that's it you know yeah. like i know being an adult it's hard to pick up something and like stay consistent with it but i feel like if you just do it a bit every day you'll be fine and i tell my students that just practice a bit every day i mean you don't have to be like me where i was doing like two three hours a day but you know that's rare you know but again if you want to do it you'll do it that's it nobody has to tell you to do it like you're just gonna do it you know you'll make it happen there's and especially in the day and age we live in there's no excuses Mm -hmm. you have youtube you want to look up something use the internet you know for example uh i just bought a cello recently it it came in today so i'm gonna learn how to play cello and i'm gonna look up on youtube how to play cello you know um what else? Uh, I've been learning Spanish for like almost a year now, and I looked that up on the internet, you know. And I found a teacher. I found two teachers online. Like, there's no excuse, really. There's no excuse, especially like, now. Yeah, especially yeah. now. Especially now. We talk about it all the time. Like, if if you don't know something, it's literally within your fingertips. Just look it up. Just look it up. <laughs> look it up. I'm glad to hear you say that, though. Like, you don't take that for advantage. You know, for granted, I should yeah, say. Yeah, like, you can take advantage of anything at your fingertips, yeah. you know, uh, nowadays, especially with ease of access. Yeah, Yeah, and I tell these kids that I teach who are iPad kids, look it up on your iPad. I don't know how to do this. Look it up. You can look up gaming tutorials on how to win a Fortnite Battle Royale yeah. win, but you yeah. can't look up how to, like, do this, like, with your violin or whatever. Like, come on. It takes you can literally seconds. look up how to have a better attitude towards life. Yeah, like, I look up mental health stuff all the time, you know, because, yeah, I have bad mental health. So it's like, well, on top of being on, in therapy, like, I look up mental health tips, too. Even when I was gaming, like, I looked up, like, how to be good at Apex Legends. You know, I looked up things like that. Um, how to be a good, like, I was big on mobile gaming for, like, a while, and, like, Apex Mobile came out. And then I looked up how to be good, and I was doing that for, like, two years, just watching, like, tips and tricks and, like, yeah. pro players play. And then I, like, on the mobile version, I became, I was, like, top 100 in the world, you know, oh, wow. like, in the right. leaderboards and stuff. So, like, to me, it's, like, if you just really hone yourself into something and you really want to do it, you could look it up and you could get good at it. That's it, you know. Um, if you don't really want to do it, then you're just not going to do it. That's it. Like, right. you know, some people will always say like, oh, you know, I want to do it. Blah, blah. I'm like, dude, you'll find time. You could find time. Even if it's for like five minutes, like yeah. I have a busy schedule, but I know with the cello, I'm at least going to spend 10 minutes playing every day mm-hmm. at least. But the thing is the advantage with being a kid, you don't have to adult and yeah. you have all that time. You could practice for like 12 hours or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have no consequences, <laughs> no bills to pay, no whatever. Right. Right. Like you could just do what you want. Your parents will take care of all the adulting. You just stay in your room and you mm-hmm. practice. That's it. So 
I wish I was younger when I started because that's what I would have been doing. I would have been just practicing in my room. I spent all that time playing video games, which I don't regret. I don't regret playing the GameCube for hours, but, you know, if I started when I was, like, eight years old, I think, like, I would definitely be practicing, like, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like three hours. But there were some advantages, I think, to starting at 13, too. I mean, you already had your own idea of what music was to you. Definitely. You got to put in your musical influences, and that's actually the next question I was going to ask is, what were your musical influences before you know, seeing your friends in that in that uh, Christian band and, and everything before wanting to join there? Um, you know, it's crazy. I was one of those typical Daily City Filipinos who listened to Jeremy Passion and Gabe Bondock, like the YouTube era, you mm-hmm. know? Like, do you guys know about that? Like, yeah, just definitely. The YouTube guys, like, I don't know. I still have them on my playlist. Yeah, yeah, like that stuff, like AJ Raphael, all that stuff. So I guess those were early influences. Um, what's funny is, uh, connecting that to me playing guitar, I, I was I used to play guitar and sing too. I don't do it as much anymore, but I'm glad I know how to do it. So um, during that era, like you know the Lemonade era, I guess everyone liked Lemonade, mm-hmm. like that song by Jeremy Passion. There was this guy in high school. I was 14. I started playing guitar when I was 14, so a year after I started violin. This guy was singing and playing, and this girl I liked was all goo goo gaga over <laughs> him, and I was like. I should learn how to do that, and then yeah. I tried to do it, and then ever since that, <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> like all most, good things. Yeah, right? I was like, yeah. dude, stories start, start with, with there was this girl. There was yeah, girl. yeah, yeah, yeah. For the guitar, <laughs> definitely there was this girl. Like you know, and then but you know, I ended up liking it a lot, and I just played for myself after. But um, definitely, like I grew up around those are my early influences, like Jeremy Passion, those kind of guys, and like punk rock. Um, you know, like Fall Out Boy. Panic at the Disco, um, Paramore. Yeah, you know I grew Paramore. up with that. Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. stuff Park. like that. Like I grew up listening to that too. So I was around a lot of genres, and again, like uh, R and B, like like nineties R and B. Yeah, like growing up. Speaking my language now. Yeah, yeah, nineties R and B. Now he's awake. Man. So did my you, mom. Did you, see, did you see him sit up and lean forward? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, R and B is like my main genre probably at this point. Um, and, you know, Jeremy Passion and them, they're considered, like, acoustic R&B, right. you know? Yeah. So, anyways, R&B, because, you know, like, I feel like a lot of Filipinos, they're really into, like, lovey-dovey. Like, I mean, you listen to these Filipino songs, they're really emotional, really love-driven and stuff. And I feel like part uh, of the reason... Are you I'm describing like, me right now? <laughs> we just become best friends. <laughs> He's too old for you to adopt, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, Filipinos, like, I feel like they, they're really love-driven, in general so i feel like that's why r&b is a genre that they really mess with you know like you know i'm really love driven too so it's like r&b like i so relatable like the lyrics and all lovey-dovey and the melodies and the beats and all that like all of it together you mentioned your mom played a lot of r&b yeah she played a lot of r&b in the car on the drives home uh i always tell this story like she would be playing like i don't know mariah carey she'd be blasting it or like brandy or something and I'd be getting out of the car, you know, like she had to drop me off. And, the, you know, the speaker's blasting so everyone could hear it when I opened the car. I was embarrassed because I was like, oh, God. Like, did, did she have a big speaker in her trunk? or No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy if she did. But, yeah, I mean, it was loud enough. And then I would, like, be trying to get out as fast as I can because I didn't want my friends to know that, like, I was listening to that stuff. Because it was kind of corny at the time. And then my mom would be like, give me a kiss. And I'd be like. And then, like, I'd run out immediately. And then my friends would be like, what were you listening to? I'm like, oh, God. And then uh, at the time, it was kind of cringy for me, I guess, as a little kid. 
But, you know, as I grew older, I was like, God, I love Brandy. Yeah. God, I love Aaliyah. Yeah, it's yeah. generational. Except for yeah. me, it was Paul Anka in an 8-track. Oh, wow, Paul Anka. Yeah, I love Paul Anka. Do you really? Yeah, that's like puppy love, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Put your head on my shoulders, that's things right. like that. Yeah, 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 Well, yeah, I mean, because <laughs> most Paul Anka records were on 8-track. So yeah. It is surprising, yeah. but yeah, good yeah. to so, know. So, um, a little bit of grunge. Uh, some R and B, yeah. But then you mentioned, kind of going back to your comment earlier about um, connecting with your teacher uh, for violin. That yeah. um, there was aspects of blues that he 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 showed you and introduced you to. What what kind of drew you to that or or to jazz in in that genre when it came to to violin? Oh wow, yeah. Okay, that's heavy. Um, so my so a little background about Dave or David Finch. Yeah. So Dave was a bluegrass fiddler i don't know if you guys know what bluegrass is mm-hmm. but it's kind of like it's country-ish it's like american folk music essentially you know kind of like con i uh, joe like things like that it's like really um you know devil went down to georgia you know right. the one that everyone knows but um you know so he played a lot of bluegrass and folk music and um i was starting off playing that stuff plus with the blues um so the blues, uh, just a quick fact, the blues is like such an important genre because it's like the root of a lot of modern day music. I mean, mm-hmm. R&B comes from the blues. Yep. Like just uh, black music in general, you know, like like bl- the blues is the root of it all. I feel like a lot of the new popular genres we listen to, it's all black music based. You know, it really is like to the very core because everything stems from the blues. Like it really does. It really does. But um, anyways, so blues... Uh, yeah, he taught me the 12-bar blues. Dave taught me that. And then I got into playing something called the blues scale uh, for music nerds out there. You mm-hmm. guys know what that is. So I was playing the blues scale a lot. And I liked the sound of it because of the soulful nature of it. Mm. Um, and then uh, and then from there, I think I, I was just interested in playing different genres that weren't played on the violin. You know, like I wanted to get away from the classical stuff. Then I, I, one day, I think on YouTube one day, I just looked up, like, jazz. I think I always liked the old swing sound, like Benny Goodman. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Chips mm-hmm. Ahoy commercial, like, mm-hmm. swing, you know, like, the swing stuff. And, um, like, Sing, 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 that's the name of the song. And then uh, I always liked that sound. And then one day when I was looking up jazz, I heard Charlie Parker for the first time. Charlie and I Parker. think that rocked, my, that rocked my world, yeah. man. I think like hearing all the like that kind of stuff, it it was such a fascinating sound to me, and I was like, oh my god, that sounds so sick! Like I loved the sound of it and how it felt. And then um, my teacher, like Dave, didn't really play bebop, so that's called bebop, mm-hmm. like that genre of music. It's a type of jazz. So bebop music became really like I was really interested in it. And, um, but I didn't know how to play it. it. It's a really hard genre to play, especially on the violin. It's not normal to play on the violin. Right. Like, so I was interested in bebop, but I didn't know how to go about it. When I was 16, three years later, um, I met a guy named Mads Tolling who taught at my art school because I went to Soda School of the Arts, which was the McAteer campus. Mm-hmm. He was a guest artist, and he played that stuff on the violin, and I was like, whoa, like, you could do it. It's possible. I went up to him, and I was like, hey, can I study with you? And then he was like, yeah, sure. And then I got his contact, and then that's how that started with jazz. Hmm. So I started studying swing and all this other stuff. 
And it's a really hard genre to get into. It's really, really difficult. It's a really serious study, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, you really have to commit time into practicing it. So I was practicing way more than I'd ever have. Yeah. And then when I got into college, that's when I went into that rabbit hole. Like, I listened to all types of jazz, like the modern jazz, like hard bop, bebop, mm-hmm. name it, like all that stuff. I was getting into it, like John Coltrane type stuff. Um, I got really heavy into it. Um so jazz like i fell in love with the genre and i still love it it's still one of my favorites of all time um i guess later on i had realized like there's no money playing this stuff though right. there's no money playing it because you know i'm like in college now i'm like practicing like so in college i practiced five to eight hours a day wow you know i like i was really intense you know in college but you know after a while i think i did that for a year so after a while practicing jazz, I started to not like it. And, like, it's kind of pretentious at times. Like, the people who play it, they're really pretentious about it. And um, it started making me hate the genre, actually. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, more, more pretentious than, say, uh, classical orchestra It's the equivalent to that. It's yeah. the equivalent to that. Yeah. So jazz has its own level of pretentiousness, right. mm-hmm. I guess. Classical violinists are pretentious, too. But, like, mm-hmm. jazz musicians at the higher levels are yeah. really pretentious, too. They're like both in the same lane, just different genres. Hmm. I, wouldn't, so, I wouldn't think of it that way. That's that's actually the first time I'm hearing that because I can see I can see jazz where jazz has a lot of different influences, like you said, blues, fiddling goes into that as well. Kind of like that loose, you know, playing. So it's it's I I, I wouldn't associate it with having a pretentious vibe. But you're talking about yeah. personalities though, to a degree. Yeah, when you get to a higher too. level. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So the thing that a lot of this music has in common is the improv aspect. So Mm -hmm. a big part of me as a violinist is I improvise a lot, and that's something I took from jazz. I freestyle it a lot, and I got that from jazz. I learned how to improvise because I was a jazz musician. The fact that I played jazz, it made all these other genres easy to play. It wasn't Hmm. hard for me to pick up on R&B and other stuff because I played jazz. So the thing is, um, I feel like, yeah, if you play jazz, you can play almost anything. You know, right. in terms of, like, I guess, like, um, modern-day music. It makes modern-day music really easy to play. Because uh, jazz is really complex, you know, like, all the chord changes and all this stuff you have to think about. But when you play, like, I don't know, like, Ice Spice or something, it's, like, really <laughs> easy. And I play Ice Spice. I play, like, TikTok stuff and all that. Right. It's yeah. so easy. I could learn it. I learned that song, I think. I listened to it a bunch of times, and then... When I learned it, it took me like maybe 10 minutes to learn it. So, so that's fascinating to me because um, having your foundations in bluegrass with influences from R&B and, mm-hmm. and grunge, you know, it, picking up the violin, you're able to kind of go into the jazz genre and explore improv. What about going reverse? Uh you weren't, or did you have any classical training? And how easy is it for oh, you to go on the other yeah. side on the classical violin? So, I, as a violinist, I think it's important to have some degree of classical training. So, I did in college. I studied with uh, this woman named Sandy Cott. Oh, man, God bless her soul. I love her so much. Um, Shout she's out, a, Sandy. She's a classical violinist. That'd be almost impossible yeah. to not have classical training with the violin. Yeah, like you, I think yeah. to a degree you need at least, you know, you should study at least a bit, maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. I did like a year. And honestly, it, it changed my playing so much. And um, I should do, I still do a bit of classical exercises just because it's important for the foundation, definitely with playing. I mean, the reason why I could play fast and stuff, part of it is the classical stuff. 
you know, like having the chops, we call it chops, like the technique to do the things you want to do. So I think classical training is important um, to a degree, you know, like it's not everything and you don't have to be pretentious about it, but I mean, a lot of people are pretentious about it, like these high level classical musicians, but you know, I think like definitely as a violinist, you need to do that a bit in your life in order to do things you want to do if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. to me like i feel like classical training is important i i wouldn't shy away from it it's foundational yeah foundation yeah and what's funny is with jazz jazz is a foundation too for Mm -hmm. improvising Mm -hmm. because like you know it's a such a complex genre to play so when you play other uh genres like um i don't know r&b and stuff it's so easy it's so easy because yeah. the fact that, I mean, you train your ears, you know how to, you know, freestyle it on the spot, you could play on the spot. I mean, I've had a lot of gigs where I play with a DJ, I've never heard the song before, then I just play along with it, you know, and then, like, it works, you know, because I was a jazz musician because that's what we had to do a lot. Mm-hmm. You wow. listen to it, and then you just play along with it. Um, so i'm thankful for jazz for that and i'm thankful for classical too because you know proper techniques important you don't want to hurt yourself playing yeah Yeah, so i actually like i have cubital tunnel syndrome and that's from playing in the streets for hours like i used to street you know i used to be a busker in boston and san francisco um that was like my main source of like income like when i was like a college student because i didn't get like a job job so um I'd be playing for like three hours straight without oh, a break. What did you call it? You busking. Busking? Yeah, busking. So what? Street performing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's street performing essentially. You know, like you go to downtown, you see some dude drumming or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same thing. I, I've never heard that phrase. Yeah, busking. Yeah, a busker. Yeah. So I was a busker. Um, Old school phrase. You've heard that phrase? Mm-hmm. Busking. And then, like, what's funny is, like, in in Massachusetts, you need to get a busking pass. You need to like buy one. It's like 30 bucks, but then you make that back like immediately. I think it's 30 bucks, but you have to pay something. But I made that money back in the day. And this is while you were in college? At, yeah, at while Bur- I was in Berkeley, college. Yeah, 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 in Boston. Boston. Right? Yeah, 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 while I was living in Boston. So I was doing a lot of busking and all that. And that like... Um, so speak, yeah. speak to us about that really fast while we're on this topic. That was purposeful, going to Berkeley. Yeah, oh yeah. That was my dream, man. Like I wanted to go there. And Dave, my mentor, was the one who told me about it. He was telling me about a guy named Matt Glazer, who's a jazz violinist, and he's the head of the department. He's not anymore, but Matt, I studied with Matt for one year, and he's such a quirky guy, like, really funny, hilarious, really intelligent, super, one of the most intelligent people I've ever talked to, and he's an enthusiast of swing music, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, Billie Holiday type vibes, like, mm-hmm. he's an expert when it comes to that stuff, so, and I love Billie Holiday, she's probably, like, top you know, really up Same there here. for me. Like, that kind of jazz, I think, is one of my favorite of all time. Besides Charlie Parker and the bebop stuff, I would say, like, Billie Holiday, like, that swing kind of vibe, mm. like, the old-school vinyl crackling kind of sound mm. yeah. is, like, one of my favorites of all time. But, yeah, stu- um, yeah, so studying with Matt definitely taught me a lot about being musical, I guess. Like, not playing so much because i used to um well i still do uh, i play a lot of runs i do a lot of crazy fast stuff but matt was really big on like well you don't have to do that to be impressive like be musical and like melodic and stuff that's the stuff people really remember and um from there i started really thinking about that and then that changed my playing forever because it's like i don't just because i used to just like do like the shreddy rock stuff but now like i try to do a run with a purpose 
because of that because of what he talked about with me in our lessons can you walk us through what that total experience was leaving the bay area Moving oh, leaving there. the Bay Area, then going. To, oh, it was a culture shock. And going man. to a to a, st- a school, you know, founded on music, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess like being in high school, I was used to being like the music guy. I guess like, oh, Nate, the music guy, like he's the only one that plays music and is good at it. Then you go to this prestigious like college of music, and everyone's that. They were that in their <laughs> hometowns, I yeah. guess. Um, everybody was like the best musician in their hometown, and now they come here and they're like, you know, it's like you're you're not all that. Sure. Just like, like the, it, like I got the Spider-Man meme. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Same guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like being able to teleport and being enrolled to the school of the gifted for yeah. Xavier. It's like Hogwarts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got man, I got humbled real quick, man. Like I, I had realized I was like, wow, I'm not, I'm not that good. You know, like, when I started playing with the people there, I was like, wow, I am not good. So that's why I started practicing five to eight hours a day, because I was like, I want to be good. And then I was starting to finally get there. But again, back relating this back to why I stopped playing jazz, like, again, like, the pretentiousness and, like, um, and also there's no money in it. There's no money in it. So um, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to play stuff that makes money. Uh Actually, I, I hope you guys don't mind me talking about this, but um, there was a, a moment I had, like, why I have the sound I have and why I do what I do. There was this moment. I had a teacher named Ed Tomasi. He's a big jazzer. Like, he's a professor at Berkeley College of Music. He was a, he's a really Brooklyn, Italian kind of guy. Like, you got to play that stuff, man, you dig? You know, like, he talks like that. <laughs> he's like, yo, you got to play. Like, kind of like Whiplash, but not as intense. Like, he's like a, you know, it, it's intense, but not like... He's putting you down. Like, he's just honest, you know? Like, he's really like, man, you got a groove, man. Just play that quarter note, man. I just want... He's from you know, Brooklyn, so... He yeah, I just want straight quarter notes, you dig? <laughs> you know, like, that's how he talks. But I learned this concept from him um, on how to play bebop. I don't want to go into the big detail about that concept, but pretty much I took this concept of playing bebop over anything. And um, there was a lesson I had one day with one of my teachers who's a jazz violinist too, Daryl Anger, um, I took a Bruno Mars tune, Treasure, by Bruno Mars, mm-hmm. and then I was like to my teacher, hey, can you like play over this, but can you play like jazz lines over it? And he was just like, yeah, sure. So he started improvising over it, and I was like, that sounds so sick. I thought that wouldn't work, because it like, it's like jazz language over this poppy, funky kind of tune. So I tried it at home, and then at that moment, I had like a light bulb moment. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, wait a minute, because the thing is, I didn't want to just play pop music. Because to me, like, I'm just playing the melody, and that's kind of boring to me. Like, I want to like freestyle it too. But then I thought to myself, I was like, what if I freestyle over this stuff too? Besides just playing the melody, so I add my own twist, so I could stand out. And then I started doing that as a busker, and then people responded really well to it. Then I started getting gigs from just doing that. So it's like. It's like I got to still play jazz, but not quite, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I would play mm-hmm. jazz stuff over, like, pop stuff. Like, some songs, it didn't work, but the majority of them, it works, mm-hmm. you know? Obviously, for, like, a, a ballad or whatever, like, a power ballad, going, like, like, doesn't work over that. But for the majority of stuff, it worked. And, and it's because of that concept that my teacher taught me, Ed Tomasi, he taught me about 
this bebop concept and i was like wait what if i do that over pop stuff and i was like it works it works it works and then what was what what, did you play uh any of that for him and what was his reaction oh i never did i think he would not like that he wouldn't like that he'd be like why are you doing that over this like (laughs) you know but i was like nah nah, nah, i'm gonna do it myself yeah yeah because he's really old school you know like really like jazz oriented like you play this stuff over jazz and that's it i was like but i want to do it over other stuff so i did and like i feel like that's a big but that's part of my playing. That's yeah. like the evolution of music. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. How jazz came into being. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I started taking an improvising concept and doing that over, like, I don't know, like Brandy or Aaliyah or something. I started doing that. Well, it's like some songs, like, I don't even play, like, the second verse. I just improvise over it. I treat it like a jazz song where it's like mm-hmm. I'll play the melody yeah. in the beginning and then I'll play, I'll improvise over it. That's your improv um, solo. Section. Yeah, it's my improv solo. So it's kind of like I put my own guitar solo in there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to do what I want, you mm-hmm. know? So, because I have fun doing it. Right. I, like, have a lot of joy. Obviously, playing the melody is really important. Like, because that's what people know, right? You know, but I mean, I... For me, again, it's like I want to stand out. I want to do my own thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to have fun, you know. So it's like I just do that because I love playing jazz, man. But I just there's no money in it. And like the heavy stuff, it's really hard to play, and I I don't want to learn how to do that, you know. Yeah. So I was just like, what's my compromise? Okay, I'm gonna play this stuff over pop music, and it worked. So that's been my career ever since. Here I am now, you know. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, that, that's. That's great, though, because when we're speaking of origin stories, you kind of give us an origin on top of an origin on top of an origin, but that's how you find your niche, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'm, like, going, like, uh, story no, after story. No, no, no. <laughs> awesome. You're giving us our, your journey. Right? Yeah, I'm so, going off topic and stuff. But. So when was your first gig? My first gig? Oh, my God. Uh, well, I used to be in the quartet when I was in high school. Well, I'm not going to count those, like, professional gig. Well, I've been gigging since performing gigging since i was 15 but i think professional gig i was 19 i love telling this story so when i was busking well actually uh first professional gig solo because i again i was gigging in college too i had a bunch of gigs but i think my first gig by myself um i was busking in san francisco after my shift at desigual because i used to be a sales associate and i hate it you know, don't do things you don't like, you know, don't do it. But anyway, that's my advice to anybody, man. Dude, if you hate it, man, like, don't do it. But anyways, oh, no. like, sometimes you got to do something. But, man, dude, I, I was like, dude, I'd rather be dead than working here. Like, but anyways, <laughs> I was playing on the street after my shift. This lady comes up to me, and she's just like, oh, I do, like, you know, I'm having this fashion show. I'm organizing this fashion show. I was wondering if you could play for it. And I was like, whoa, fashion show. Like, by myself? Like, I never played by myself for like a like a thing like that like a real professional thing like that and i was like okay i'll do it so uh i got the gig i gave her my card you know business cards like yeah. get business cards by the <laughs> way if you're a musician <laughs> get business cards so important but anyways gave her my business card she emailed me all the deets and then i uh, got ready and then uh you know it was in uh pier 39 i think the the aquarium mm-hmm. thing that's oh, where the yeah. fashion show was like if you guys nice. know that aquarium yeah, yeah. that's there yeah sure. so that was where that was um i love this story because like uh it's funny kind of but anyways uh i i decided to busk before the gig i was like okay i'm gonna play a bit warm up and then i still had a lot of time before the gig so i was like i did a really dumb thing like i was like okay i'm gonna nap 
So I nap in a public space I, in Westfield Mall. Mm-hmm. I went to Westfield Mall up in the dome, if you guys know where that is. I went mm-hmm. upstairs. Shout out Westfield, who's going to close real soon, but shout out Westfield. Yeah, shout yeah. out Westfield. Yeah, shout <laughs> out Westfield. Um, went to Westfield, napped in the dome, uh, had all my stuff. Luckily, I had my violin strapped on to me. It was this violin, too. So I had it strapped. But my other bag, my gigging bag with my amp and all that stuff, and my suit that I was oh, supposed to wear, uh-huh. I woke up, gone. Oh, and I was just like, I was like, what? And then I was freaking out. I was like, what do I do? And then I didn't know what to do. I called the lady and I said, hey, like, you know, um, my gigging stuff's gone because it got stolen because I did a dumb thing and took a nap in public. And she was just like, oh, it's okay. I think we could figure it out. Still come. So I went. Luckily, there was a sound guy. He had like a wireless system and his own system. So I was like, thank God. So I played the fashion show. It was one of the most awkward things I've ever done, to be honest. But, you know, it's the experience, right? So it, it's literally a fashion show. Like, these people walking down the runway. Um, I was in the booth. Like, I was the, you know, my what violin was plugged. I, it was, like, improv acoustic type stuff. So I was just playing whatever. Like, it was really weird. I'm telling you. Like, I didn't have any specific music to play. They, she didn't I, have specific Yeah, no, either. no. She was just play yeah <laughs> so that was that was the other weird thing just too play. just play literally i was like uh in retrospect was any of this kind of sketch <laughs> uh it was it wasn't sketch but it was that just sounds like an amazing first no game. no no it does yeah, it does. It yeah oh, it, it was it was weird though i pulled it off but it was weird because what happened was i saw everyone walking down i was just playing like random notes like just kind of like a free improv thing but it worked and then but i felt really weird because i was like this didn't really feel fashion show and it's just me acoustic there's no track in what, the background what kind of fashion like what are they it was like it's picture? like peacock <laughs> feathers and <laughs> glittery like you know all that kind of stuff like it was like that kind of fashion show like glittery peacock like shiny stuff so yeah. were you trying to match the yeah. tune with the outfit yeah. i was like uh man i don't even remember what i played but i remember like it wasn't anything fast like it just sounded like an ambient kind of like weird thing i don't know and then uh i don't know what it is but i'm all yeah in. I, I, I was there no no i know yeah, I, 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 I play whatever you want yeah. maybe i could demonstrate like, if, if you want, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's like, go. So at the fashion show, I think I'm watching each. Do you bottle. want one of us to put on some peacocks? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me go get it. Let me go get it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's weird what I played. So like, bottles walking down. I'm just like. Dude, but I, that sounds like it would have been perfect. Yeah, like, like, wait, 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 really quick, wait, wait, really quick. I, I have a request. Yeah, yeah. Can you play the Peaches song? Oh, Peaches no. Song? Yeah. Peaches, like, Peaches. Like, Peaches. No, 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 no. Mario. Peaches, 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 Peaches. Oh, Mario? No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Thank you. I don't know. Don't, don't get drawn in for like, I learned this. I mean, you meant, like, Peaches and Grapes. What was the reaction of, like, the, I guess, the attendees of the fashion show? That was the thing, too. I think they were like, what the heck's going on? But, like, what was weird was I was in a That's booth, funny. like, upstairs with the, the producer guy, like, the guy, the sound guy, because he was doing all the levels and stuff. So I didn't even get to play outside, like, where everyone could see me. I was in a booth, like, with this guy. Oh, they, they had no visual of you? No, no. Oh, that, could you see them? Yeah, I could see the, the models and everybody through the window. 
Yeah. Right? Huh. Like, I'm, like, upstairs looking at the... I'm in this, like, you know, studio. That would be strange. Like, <laughs> they're just... They're no, it was a really... Good, I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's a we- it was a weird gig. And that was one of my first, like, real professional ones by myself, you know? Were you tempted at all to play something just out there, like... Yeah. I probably did. Yeah. I don't remember what I played. Ex- like, I didn't play exactly... I didn't play exactly what I did. Oh, that would be so... I wish I did. But, like... It's funny because what I again like that ambient kind of sound. Uh, I don't know if I played that exactly, but it was along those lines. Interesting. Like going like, yeah. you know, like whatever. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like so, so um, I'm I'm really curious. This fucking phenomenal story. Uh, <laughs> Amazing story. Uh, yeah. uh, there's a, there's an aspect of your inspiration that seems uh, serendipitous to me, in terms of like all the like you shouted out so many influences and professors and teachers like just back of your hand because mm-hmm. each one has been like a different stop in your journey it sounds like oh yeah definitely. um another part of inspiration i wonder is how much how much do you draw from from a crowd because like this first oh. experience like you're like you know like oh. divided right like or yeah. you know there's a divide a, a divider between you and the crowd so i'm just curious like how much of that do you feed off the energy of like people when you're playing that's a beautiful question because to be honest that's a big part of like what motivates me to really go in on my performing i don't know like i don't know if you guys seen me perform or whatever um but uh I, I go in, like, I really, like, go all out. Well, depending on what the energy, what energy the crowd gives me, that's how much I, energy I give back. You're driven by engagement. Oh, I am, 100%. I think, and part of it's my personality. I like sticking out. Mm-hmm. I, I like attention. Uh, like, let's be real. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I like, I like when people notice me, like, when I'm playing it, and I'm just like, thanks, you know? I used to not... Again, uh, being older now, I'm not afraid to admit that. Because when I was younger, I was like, oh, God, that's cringe. I feel like a cocky douche, like, blah, blah, blah. But I was just like, no, man. Like, that's who I am. Like, I love that. Do you, consider, I, do you consider yourself uh, extroverted or introverted? I'm like a introverted extrovert. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. It like, totally when, I'm, when I'm out in yeah. public like this, I could talk and stuff. But I do have a social battery. Don't worry, I'm still the social battery is still up right now. I'm at like seventy percent. So nice. We'll be good. No, we still have five hours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no. Do you, yeah. Need, a, do you need a recharge? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a recharge, which is hilarious. Mm. SF to the town, dad bars, now we just running our mouths, barbershop talk, rocking the spot, got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot, lifelong bond has the convos flow, time just goes, constant growth, straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs, listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.